got Dr. Braxton Hunter, pretty talented and well-known apologist, shared the stage with the William Lane Craigs to the Mike Laconas to all those guys. Jonathan Pritchett, Dr. Pritchett is here and he is a New Testament guy and does a lot of stuff, a lot of podcasts, a lot of debates, so on and so forth. So is the guy on the left Jerry Lewis and uh, Braxton's trying to be Dean Martin here? <laughs> the straight guy and the funny guy? They gave us nothing but tradition and no argument. All they did was get on this stage, yell real loud, and set a straw man on fire. Okay, now, this, it, I, I, I was not impressed. I need a dumb guy. Do I have any volunteers who wants to be my sidekick, the dumb guy? Respectfully, that sounds like a little bit of a dodge. I'm claiming victory. So where I come from, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Greetings and welcome to another edition of Trinity Radio. I'm Dumb Sidekick and along with me is... Braxton Hunter. And today we are going to talk about... What are we talking about? We're talking about whether Christianity or religion in general is in decline in the United States. That's right. I, you told me that before the show and I already forgot. Stick with us. This will be something. And now, today's topic. Justin Martyr and the 21st Century. Yesterday I read through Justin Martyr's first apology... By the way, everyone should. Justin came from a pagan background and was converted to Christianity when he met an evangelistic Christian walking down the beach one day. But he wrote to the emperor to explain, hey, you guys completely misunderstand Christianity. You've heard a bunch of scornful mockery about us, and a lot of it isn't true. What you guys are getting right, you misunderstand our reasons for believing it. This is a problem that persists until today. As I've said quite a bit recently, atheist antagonists on the internet seem to resort to mostly rhetoric. In a recent discussion on Modern Day Debate's YouTube channel, one atheist mentioned that Christianity is bad for America partly because of certain characters like Steven Anderson who think people should receive the death penalty for unbiblical sexual preferences. Now ask yourself a question, do you know one single Christian in your personal life who would agree with such an asinine statement? Have you ever met one? The same sort of scornful mockery Justin faced still exists. And just as Justin noted that our interlocutors often misunderstand our reasons for believing what they do get right, I yesterday heard yet another YouTuber duplicate the mistake that the Kalam cosmological argument is flawed because of an equivocation fallacy regarding the word cause in the first premise and the conclusion. We're talking about efficient in both cases, not material. Get it down. In the end, it's at once comforting and saddening to see that those skeptical of Christianity today make the same mistakes their forebears made in Justin's day, all the way back in the second century. And unfortunately, baseless rhetoric has always been powerful when it comes to persuasion. Nevertheless, baseless it is. And now, today's topic. And welcome back to the main show. You're here again with Dr. Jonathan Pritchett and me. And today we're going to be talking about, I said Christianity or religion in America. Really, we're talking about the Western world, although we are going to make some comments specifically about America. This is yeah. on my mind because, as you know, Dr. Pritchett, we often hear about how um, religion or Christianity specifically is in decline in the United States. And now yes. atheism and agnosticism is on the rise and which, it's because young uh, intellectuals yes. are seeing the truth and they're leaving the cross. Which I debunked in a recent article in the Journal of Ecclesia Scholar Society about how that's overblown. But it, it is over, it's, it's not just overblown. Well, so there mm. is a journal article from mm. September 2017 in Evolutionary Psychological Science. Does that sound like an evangelical journal article to you? No, but it sounds like something I would never read either. Uh, but this article from the EPS, I guess we could say, is The Future of Secularism, colon, a biologically informed theory supplemented with cross-cultural evidence. Uh, the Future of Secularism. So this is from... Lee Ellis Anthony, W. Haskin, Edward Dutton, Helmuth Nyborg. It took how many people to write a journal article? Well, you know, sometimes these, you know, studies of, of studies and things like that have Christians, multiple. you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So <laughs> this... Usually only one guy writes an article. Yeah, so, so I'm going to read you a bit from this. Now, I it do takes wanna, a village in, I, in secular academia. Is right, that what we're, and, I, and I do want to say <laughs> this. Th saying? This is a tip to any of you who are in... 
the blog world, the YouTube world, or who are working on research. We notice, when, well, most of the time we notice, when you cite a journal article and you only cite the abstract for that journal article. Now, you don't see this as much in, with people who are uh, students at a credible school like Trinity because along with your student ID comes most of the time like uh, a journal database membership right. where you can get to these somewhat dark web journal databases. And so... Uh, the deep state journal articles. Yeah, yeah you get <laughs> to get in there and you can actually read them and you don't yeah. have to pay to read them. See, everyday people who don't... Oh, go they're to paying a, for tuition to, to read them. But, well, yeah, but, but the, the people yeah. that are just going to... They're not going to school yeah. who are just bloggers. All they can often access is the abstract for such a journal right. article. This particular one, you can check me out because it's free available everywhere. But even so, many of the people writing like responses to this will just cite the abstract. Why is that important? Because one, it tells me you were a bit lazy. Yes. You didn't want to read this multi-page journal article in small print and four columns. How many columns. pages is the article? I don't know. But it's, well, let's see. Uh, this one is like, I don't know, 20 pages. 18 pages, something like that, but small print, multiple columns, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of data, a lot of graphs, a lot of, we can't, we can't Pie trudge through all that. Yeah. yeah. So, so they'll just cite the abstract because the abstract just gives you kind of a synopsis this of what what's it's going about here. Yeah. yeah. And so when you see the quotes in a blog article, it means probably that blog article author didn't take the time to go through this. Anyway, um, we see some of that with this, but. So what you're saying is they're lazy and they probably don't know. And miss the point because of it. Right. And and they don't know what the article is actually about in any depth whatsoever other than the, the buzz phrase from the abstract. Right. And I can't know yeah. that for sure, but I can pick up hints. No, you know, if you're citing the abstract and not the article, right. that's a pretty big hint that you yeah. you couldn't find anything in the article. Either you couldn't find anything in the article and you want to be misleading yeah. Or you didn't read the article. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm going to read to you from the article itself, because I did read the whole entire thing, Jonathan Pritchett. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, so here it is. The future of secularism, a biologically informed theory supplemented with cross-cultural evidence. Are you uh, going to read the whole thing? No, no, no. no. Okay. <laughs> but I'm going to read, I've cherry-picked some sections here that are relevant to what we're talking about. The trend. So in discussing, quote, in discussing secularization, oh, by the way, it'll be important for people to know, and we mentioned this a couple of years ago, on we did another podcast on secularization. There is what is called the secularization hypothesis, and that's basically, mm -hmm. when you hear that, what they're talking about is this hypothesis that Western countries are becoming more and more secularized and less and less religious, and they're going to define this in the article, but there's a difference between religious affiliation and religiosity. Yeah. Religious affiliation is, do you go to church? Do you do religious stuff? Yeah. Religiosity is, what are you actually thinking about it? Yeah, what do, yeah. do you, your belief systems. Right. right yeah. So, okay, quote, in discussing secularization, it is useful to distinguish between religious affiliation, there it is, and religiosity. Much of the evidence offered in support of the secularization hypothesis has pertained to the former rather than the latter. Religious affiliation, right. not religiosity. For example, religious affiliation appears to have declined in a number of Western countries throughout the 20th century. When it comes to holding religious beliefs, e.g. belief in God, belief in the uh, at, uh, belief after in life, life after death, right. European trends have also been downward, although less dramatically than in the case of religious affiliation. However, if attention is focused on just the past 15 years or so, this is going to come as a shock, I think, to a lot of people. Europeans actually appear to have reversed course toward greater religiosity. But not religious affiliation. Right. Okay. Uh, in the USA, religious attendance and membership, which is religious affiliation, rates have remained fairly stable since the middle of the 20th century. Similarly, the proportion of adults who believe in God, immortality, and other common religious doctrines has changed very little over the past 60 years. That's religiosity. Mm -hmm. The only notable qualification is a modest increase in the proportion of adult Americans who are atheist, agnostic, and without any religious preference during the past couple of decades. So what they're saying is that it's actually gotten a little bit better in European countries, and in the United States there hasn't been a dramatic change. Right. The evangelicals are keeping up with the, the growth of society as a whole. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll talk about why in just a few minutes. But how can that be 
When, on the other hand, we have atheists and agno- an increase in people identifying as atheists and agnostics, the way that the atheists and agnostics spin that is, yeah. well, the atheists and agnostics are taking over. More people are leaving religion and become leaving religiosity yeah. and becoming atheists and agnostics. But that's false. The data doesn't support that. Yeah. As we said, two to five percent at the most in the U.S. Mm-hmm. is atheist or agnostic. Mm-hmm. Right. Most people are identifying as nuns now. And that's not an atheist necessarily. Or an agnostic. Right. And of the people that identify as atheists, you know how many of them believe in God? More than you think. Yeah. <laughs> you know how many believe... And then when the afterlife question comes up, how many atheists believe in afterlife? Kicks up again. So nuns. How many nuns believe in afterlife? Most of them. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I'm talking about the people who identify as atheists. Oh, yes. We did an episode on... We have on, atheists who believe yeah. in God, atheists who believe in life after death. So... When you look at... When, I know, that sounds really strange. I no, know. No, but that's how they identify when they I, answer yes. these questions to Barna, to Pew Research, all well, that stuff. we went over one yeah. in a Christmas special, I think, from a couple of years ago. Um, and if you want more on the nuns, uh, we talked about, I think we talked about that in some detail in a recent episode, maybe from last season, on Generation Z yeah. and what's going on with them. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah so religiosity is not going anywhere. Now, this, this goes right along with, some of you may be familiar that probably the world's most famous debating apologist is William Lane Craig. Mm-hmm. And William Lane Craig recently was on Ben Shapiro's show, and a lot of people have seen that now. I, I, I got to tell you, obviously, I'm a fan of Craig. I realize, for those of you hipster apologists out there, it's not cool to, like, think that Craig is great and awesome. Is that really the, the, a thing for yes, hipsters? That's a thing. Well, when you ask people, what, who, who, you know, who's your favorite apologist or what do you think about William Lane Craig? You get these answers that, well, of course, Craig's, you know, done his thing. And it, but I think there's like a, it's just like me being a U2 fan or whatever. It's like whoever's the, has the biggest sales, the biggest impact, the biggest, you know, whatever. Well, then we can't be for that. That's the uh, hipster. See, mentality. I thought it was only like the the hardcore reformed people who poo poo. Oh, well, they're definitely, but I think that's for different reasons. Yeah, but I thought uh, they were the only people who poo poo. Most of your non-reformed classical apologists or evidential apologists are not going to say too much disparaging about Wayne Lane Craig, but you still, I think, I see it. Maybe it's just. Maybe it's just... Maybe uh, you're sensitive to it? That could, could be. I was told by no, a recent... No, but I want to say I'm not doubting it, because yeah. if, if if the hipster apologists are not going to like somebody, they're going to pick the most prominent right, person right. and say, yeah, I mean, yeah. I understand that, but yeah. you know, I mean, I have this apologist that you've never heard of, that nobody's ever heard of, that has a YouTube channel with See, five I'm frankly surprised this hasn't happened with Star Wars. Yeah. But I think the reason for that is now we can shove all that blame onto Disney. See, this is what I think is <laughs> happening. All the hipsters are like, yeah... I mean, there's William Lane Craig, but but I, I prefer the 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 more up and coming, low key people like the one Braxton, that nobody knows about, Braxton Hunter, for example. Oh well, <laughs> you know. So you're you're actually the, the the guy with a few YouTube subscribers, a few big debates. You're the up and comer, so you're the guy that the hipsters are going to like. So, I, so well, that's nice. They're, to they're not going to like Craig, but they're going to all point to Braxton Hunter and be like. Yeah, I mean, but those of us in the know about apologetics, Braxton Hunter is really the, he's the This real may deal. be the first time anybody told me this, and this is going to seem like self-congratulatory, mm-hmm. but it actually allows me to highlight the first video I ever made when we started, like, taking the YouTube seriously, mm-hmm. and it was uh, the, the video, What Are Christian Apologists Getting Wrong, or something like that. Yeah. It's like the first one. This guy posted today, an hour ago, and uh, Jay. And he put, wow, stumbled on this gym. Because I was talking in that video about how Christian apologists like get so infatuated with Christian apologetics yeah. that they stop studying the Bible. And that's right. a problem. This guy said, wow, stumbled on this gym, and it so perfectly describes what I'm going through right now. I came to faith through apologetics. Yeah, that never happens. You hear that? No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Two years ago. I don't believe it. And have been obsessively... Extraordinary claims right. and something... Uh, he, he came to faith through apologetics two years ago and have been obsessively studying it to the point where it has now been damaging to my life because to the exclusion of other things. Right. Early on, my study of apologetics went hand-in-hand hand with theology. Now I struggle to make time to study theology at all. It's so refreshing to know that one of my favorite apologists... Yeah, so you're the... But, ...had a similar battle. But see, this is what it's like. But if look, if I, but, but I wasn't trying to float your boat. I'm saying if yeah. you're the... The anti-Craig for yeah. all of these hipster apologists, that sucks. <laughs> but I wouldn't want to be the hipster apologist. No, because apologist. it's like the, the bands that hipsters like, the mm. rock bands, if you go look at them, yeah. nine out of ten of them, their influences 
was you too. Right. right. So, but see, I don't want to be that I like band. Craig, so. I want to yeah. be on the mainstream label. You want to be you too. Rocking arenas. Yeah, 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 come on. All right, so anyway. You'll get there, though. What does this data seem to support? So when Craig was on the Ben Shapiro show, which I do think that is a fabulous interview. Um, there are so many great little, I mean, that, obviously Ben Shapiro's people know how to craft an interview yeah. to get the best stuff in succinct sections, and you got that. I mean, it was fantastic. Um, but here's what here's what William Lane Craig, they were talking about this very issue of the secularization hypothesis. They but before Braxton that. Hunter gets to that, have you ever considered what you're going to buy for a life insurance? That's, that's what I can't that's stand about Ben Shapiro. <laughs> By the way, if you'd like to uh, come to Trinity College of the Bible <laughs> right. and Theological Seminary, trinitysem.edu. No, so, but you know what I'm talking about yeah, when you're yeah, watching yeah. his show. I know. Before you answer that, I want to talk about life insurance or right. how to protect your And then I hated it at the very end. They're like, they, he asked him some question that, frankly, I didn't care about, so it was fine. Yeah. He's like, if you want to hear Dr. Craig's answer to that, you have to pay us $10 a month or $100 a year and get the Shapiro whatever, Shapiro yeah. shtick. Speaking of whatever. which, <laughs> if you want to pay us some stuff... There you, you can give us $9.99 a month. Yeah. We're fine with yeah, that. Yeah, there's a... Or $100 a, a year. A link up here to become a patron. Yes, patrons. We love right that. Somewhere. Our patrons are awesome. Uh, if you're listening by audio, you can go to patreon.com slash trinity radio. Yeah. All right, so... But now, let's get to it. So, William Lane Craig, they're talking about the secularization hypothesis. They didn't call it that. That's what they're talking about. And Craig says, I think what's happening is not so much an increase in secularization. There you go again with the... <laughs> and it's, it's not, not so even much... as good as you think it is. I think it's pretty good, Jonathan. <laughs> okay. Uh, as the collapse of the old mainline Christian denominations like the Episcopalian, the Catholics, the Presbyterian, the Congregationalists, and so forth... And as a result, there is an increasing... Wait, why did he say Congregationalists in the same breath as mainline Protestant denominations? I think he just means... He was speaking, and he was. I just think he means denominational groups. Okay. And as a result, there is an increase, polariz increasing polarization in American society. People are evacuating the middle and going either to the secular end or to the evangelical, and evangelicals are maintaining their percentage of the American population keeping up with the population growth. But the impression of increasing secularization exists because the middle is emptying out and these old line denominations are all collapsing. That's very interesting. And I think it's a reflection. That's very interesting, Jonathan. That's very interesting. Well, and I think it's a reflection of the fact that people who are just nominally religious, in a sense, are just... <laughs> I can't keep Hang it going because I keep I keep getting stuck. Hang it up. Uh, in a sense, come to the realization that they don't really believe this, and so why should you get up in the dark and cold on a Sunday morning to go worship somebody you don't really think is there? And so, a result as a result, those who have been simply nominal in their beliefs, I think, are increasingly recognizing that. Yeah, all it mean. What, let me break that. All it goes right along with the study. It says, yeah. We've just been going through the motions, and now we're dropping the pretense, and we're going to stop going through these motions because yeah. we really don't believe it. And and so people have stopped. And going some of to those church. people become atheist or agnostic. Yes, and notice that, and yeah, there, which is fine because they had some sort of Episcopalian preacher, priest or priest, preacher, pastor, elder, whatever that didn't believe in God either. Now don't take off our Episcopalian constituents. No, if you're Episcopalian, either stop being Episcopalian or fix your denomination. Or join the form of Episcopalianism that's still con theologically conservative. Okay, stop being... Look, be, be a real... No, there actually is an Anglican Church of America now because the Episcopalian brand, is, which is also Anglicanism, has gone down the toilet. So they're like, we don't want to be... No, we're different. Yeah. Look, I'm sorry to be mean, but if you're an Episcopalian... We got a lot of great Anglican students. Yeah. If you're an Episcopalian, you've got to get your house in order. And so what the article does is support, or what that interview, Craig's points in that interview, they support the journal article that we read that, yes, uh, no, religiosity is hanging in there. Yeah. But, but religious affiliations... Are down a little bit, yeah. And among those, some people are becoming atheist and agnostic, which just some, means very the people few. that were already atheist and agnostic, but were just nominally going to church and doing the stuff because they thought they were supposed to, or because people in their family or their spouse or whatever. Some of those people are being what they already were. That's yeah. not a growth. 
that and it's not getting the the people who had the religiosity, the people who really believe this stuff, although I'm sure that does happen to some degree, you're, you're getting the religiously affiliated people. Yeah. You know? It's the same thing with, okay, in, in secular universities, you've got hard sciences where there's a lot of atheists, agnostics, skeptics, whatever, kind of bunnied around the science department. Then everywhere else is a bunch of pagans and, and Christians even. Yeah. You know, yeah, that was another thing Craig said in, in the, the humanities. Yeah, was that, that, that he said there's much there's a very healthy respect for theism among the philosophy departments. Philosophy even departments, the yeah. atheists there don't like universally scorn the theistic philosophers. Yes, and because I've said it a million times, because atheist philosophers owe a debt of gratitude to theist philosophers for keeping them relevant, and they know that. And they do know that. Yeah. So what is the criticism of the journal article? So we've heard Craig's thoughts, and they, they, go, they sync up real well with this journal article from 2017. Now, this is from the Friendly Atheist blog written by Lauren Nelson. Um, the first thing you get... Now, I'm not saying that Lauren Nelson didn't read the whole article, but I'm telling you that the first thing you get is a paragraph citation that is from the abstract. It's like half of the abstract. Well, like I said, we can include two things. He found nothing in the article quote-worthy enough to, to make a point that the article never made in the first place just by quoting the abstract, or he didn't read it. One of those two options has to be true. That's not a false dilemma. It's one of those two things. Otherwise, if he would have found something in the article worth quoting that supported his thesis, he would have quoted directly from the article and not the abstract. You know, it just occurs to me now, though, I need to explain Wouldn't something. You? I need to explain something about what this article That's stated, because you'll recall I said that the that the title of this was a biologically informed theory. So before I read her comments, because it's not going to make sense if I don't read the theory. So here, here is what, here is what they said. Mm -hmm. um, while cross-sectional in nature, when our results are combined with evidences that both religiosity and fertility are substantially heritable traits, findings are consistent with the view that earlier trends towards secularization due to science education surrounding advancements in science, are currently being counterbalanced by genetic and reproductive forces. Okay, so what the article has found, and this is not the only article that has concluded this, is that people who are not religious... Now, I realize that for some Christians, and even in the, that Ben Shapiro interview, William Lane Craig decried being uh, categorized as religious. But when we say religious... Yeah, that was kind of mean. We mean people who are practicing on, their faith Craig. in some sort of... an you know, formalized way. I don't think of myself as religious. You're in a relationship, aren't you? <laughs> but, you know, honestly, as I've been studying early Roman history, I got to tell you something. I am glad for the relationship side of it because in ancient Rome, as long as you went through the rituals, you were good. In fact, you were looked down upon a little bit if you got a little too passionate. And mm -hmm. I kind of like the fact that Christianity came along and said, no, Jesus lives in my heart. You know, I like that side of it. But anyway, uh, so what they're saying is, look, you, people that are not religious are less likely to have as many children. They're not going to have as many children. And that's just a fact. Now, does that this correlate with the fact, fact. That, that all the other studies that says, like, Christian married couples have better sex than everyone else? <laughs> there is that study. There, that, no, there are <laughs> studies. They're more sexually happy. Yeah, they they're more, more sexually sex. so so th that could probably have something to do with it. But the thing about it, is, well, also what has to do with it uh, now this want better sex, get th married. There are or believe in the Lord this, Jesus but, Christ, right? I mean, that's what yeah, that, that's what is seriously because yeah. they ain't having kids, and you know, could be the fact that they ain't having. Well, that's part of it. Other Another stuff part too. of it is, and there was recently a uh, just I mentioned in in the first word or the last word, I don't know which uh, the. Uh, this channel, YouTube channel, Modern Day Debates, mm -hmm. they have these like anybody can debate type things. Mm -hmm. But they had two, they had a really interesting debate about uh, is Christianity good for America? And the this was actually the, the guy that was taking the it is good for America thing was saying, was citing some articles that were saying that, um, um, where was I going with that? Oh, the sexual revolution is a, kind of where all this began. Mm -hmm. In the late 50s, early 60s, as you had contraceptive, mm -hmm. you know, really kind of not mastered, but, you know, workable, mm -hmm. and now it was available. And then you had the sexual revolution, because mm -hmm. now you could have multiple sexual partners without 
the risks, the the obvious risk of pregnancy. Now there were other risks that we found out about later on, right? Right. But there, but without the risk of pregnancy, um, to the same degree, and so as a result, you ha- the average person, male and female, had more sexual partners by a lot than they had previously, because previously, if you wanted to have sex mm-hmm. safely, like without worrying too much about these kind of things, you courted, you dated. You married. Yeah. There was a the exchanging of commitments. Now, it's not that there wasn't always prostitution and things like that. You could still have sex outside of marriage, but it wasn't like it is now. Yeah. And this has led to all kinds of problems because one thing that, that, that you know, anthropologists and social scientists will tell you is, and history historians will tell you is, when a society starts to destroy the family unit, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's, the, that's going to be the end of that society. Right. Well, thankfully, though, the sexual revolution has come full circle, and now they're leading the abstinence-only charge from Alyssa Milano saying we're on a sex strike. So pro-choice women are not going to be having sex with anybody because of all these laws that are uh, cracking down on, on, uh, you know, unfettered abortions. And so thank goodness these— I've been on a strike on doing that with pro-abortion women all my life. Right. So, so, but I'm glad that they've come around to understand that abstinence is a, you know, is a worthy, uh, a worthy aspiration yeah. in life. It, it's a, it's a, it's certainly going to prevent abortions if these pro-choice women aren't having sex. They won't get pregnant and they won't abort babies. So I'm all for this, this sex is, strike. This, this sex strike is yes, brilliant. And you, 100% for it. Thank you. But this is this is this you goes know, back you know how to much the problem. Affected my marriage? None. Well, you're not married to a pro-abortion woman. You no. have also been on this lifelong strike that I've been on. Right. That we, we're not interested in pro-abortion women. Right. So we're interested in you repenting. But anyway, yeah. um, here's the thing. So sex strike That is a long. very stark example of a much subtler but widespread reality, which is that people who are secular mm-hmm. tend to have less kids. It could be because contraceptive and the sexual revolution has made it more feasible for them to you do that. You couple that with people getting married later. Getting married later when yeah. fertility uh, is decreased anyway. Yeah, this sort of thing happens. And so as a but whatever the case may be, one thing that is not arguable is that the fertility rates by which we simply mean the children that they're having is much greater among religious people than it is non-religious sure. people. So what that means is, now get that this is a very interesting point. We're hearing about this rise in secularism, but religion, now, religion is a, well, worldview is a heritable trait. Now, what we don't mean by that, and what the people doing these studies do not mean by that, is that there's like a religion gene that gets passed on. But what they do mean is, if your parents were religious, or if your parents were atheists, whatever, you're going to be much, much more likely to be what they were. And so as a result of that, Atheism and secularism, many of these people are saying it can never Wait a minute. Take You're over. saying that some of these atheists out there are only atheists because they were... Yes, and I just saw something <laughs> great in the Christian Apologetics. Where have we heard that type of reasoning? I know, before? I know. Okay. But th- this great thing in this Christian Apologetics support group, I just saw someone say, I think that's where it was. So you, you they know. said, next time somebody says, if you were born in the Middle East, you wouldn't be a Christian. And you say back to them, if you were born in the Middle East, you wouldn't be an atheist. <laughs> now what? You know, like yeah. what? How does that help our conversation? We're talking about truth here, right? Yeah. But, the, but the point is, it's still the case that you're more likely to take on the religion or worldview that you're raised with. So since that's a heritable—now, a, a, it's not always the case, obviously, but since that's a largely heritable trait, and these people yeah. that, are, are, that have the secular worldview— Inheritable? Heritable. 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 Yeah. So the people that have this trait and are passing it on are not having more kids, so they're not passing, passing it, it on. to anybody. You're not raising You're going to die out. Yeah, I mean, aren't, aren't a lot of these atheists like antinatalists because they think it would have been better to never have been born, and so they don't bring more kids into some the world? Them. And some of them think that, oh, well, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, there's probably some Christians that think that too. You know? Yeah. But, but yeah. But here's the thing that happens, Jonathan, is when you don't have, when, when you have this... Uh, lack of a certain segment of the population, Mm -hmm. what has to happen for the economy to function well is you have, that has to be replaced by something. Yeah. Without being replaced by future generations, it's going to be replaced by immigrants, right? Immigrants. And guess what immigrants to our South bring us? 
Theism. Religion. Theism. Yeah. Catholicism. Right. right. And we do get uh, immigrants from other places too, but you know what they are? Religious of some sort or other. Right. Which is why... they're coming here for religious freedoms. You know who has yeah. a higher birth rate than Christians? Who? Islam. Muslims. Yeah. Which means that, and you'll love this point, as I thought through all of this, as I was looking at the data, I thought... You know where apologists really ought to be focusing their attention or preparing to focus their attention? Sex and babies among Christians. Well, that's a great apologetic. I love that apologetic. Yeah, have get, more babies. Get married, have <laughs> lots of sex and babies. That that, no. that could actually make apologetics popular in churches. Yeah. So we need to get on. Need, the first ever apologetics uh, in sex Christian purity yeah. sexual conference. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to think of a better name. That's not a great one. Right. Um, but, but here's man, the thing. Man, that could... That, yeah. But here's the thing. No... Islam. We need to be focusing, preparing for Islam. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, it's it's already you've got what is it, 1.8 billion or something. But the thing about it is, Islam is is going to they're outbirthing us. Yeah. So that's what we need to be concerned with. And atheism is almost, you know, negligible when we go into the. It far sounds future. like a self. Defeating kind of thing that yeah. it'll eventually wear itself out. It's not self-defeating. I meant to say self-correcting problem. Atheism yeah. is a problem, but it'll correct itself by there being no more atheists within five generations, right? Yeah, and here and not that long. It won't even take that long. And here's the thing that's interesting about it is I, I'm not interested in getting into a political discussion about immigration policy. Is this the golden age of atheism right now? Maybe. And you you managed 5%. But notice, a lot of these secularists are the ones who are Rethink pushing... Rethink your YouTube channel. You're failing. A lot of these secularists are the and ones... And there's bad sex and atheism. Pushing, and the, the, I mean, pushing the hardest for immigration. Yeah. So they're pushing for the things, the contraceptive, the immigration, the, the antiquated um, marriage needs to go away kind of thing. They're pushing for all the things that are going to encroach on their own demographic long term. So it is self-defeating, too. Yeah. It's self-correcting and self-defeating. And all kinds of just... And it's a false worldview anyway. So at this point, I think we're ready now to move on to the, to the Friendly Atheist article by Lauren... Uh, what's her name? Nelson. So all of that was just preface? No, no, no. The, the, we've read the journal article. We've heard what William Lane Craig has to say. And so, I mean, we've, we've now... Given our commentary, yes. but we need to hear what the pushback is oh, okay. uh, to this. Okay, so the friendly atheist is writing about this journal article mm -hmm. that we're that we've read portions of, and um, she says Lauren Nelson says uh, she focuses on contraceptive use and says married religious people may use it just as much as secular people. Now well, we can do a straw man poll here. We don't use contraceptives in our house. Yeah, we don't either. But that's here's the thing, though. That's anecdotal, I know. right? That's anecdotal. But, but so is that comment. Well, well, we don't know what they're doing. Well, that's fine. But here's the thing about it is. So I guess it misses the point. It misses the point. Mm -hmm. Is contraceptive a piece of this puzzle? Yes. What we're saying is what we're kind of saying is that contraceptive pro plays a role among secularists. Mm -hmm. But the point is not. You mean that Christians aren't advocating for free condoms all over public school systems? But are they? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear. Not it. that I'm aware of. They're promoting abstinence, right? Yes. Just like Alyssa Milano, right? But but here's the thing. But here's the thing. That the, <sighs> the point is, even if it's true, even if it were true that married people use contraceptives more than secularists, how did she not see that coming? That everyone was going to jump on that and be uh, like... Th these people don't. They just speak. They don't think. Okay. The, the point is not that... Let's just imagine that religious people use contraceptives more than secularists. They're still having more kids. They're having more kids. Right. So they use contraceptives as a part of their family planning, and we're not here to talk about the politics or morality of contraceptives either. The point is that they're using it as a part of their family planning, but they still tend to have a bunch of babies. Right. Whereas secularists are using it to prevent pregnancy right. until they're at a non-fertile age or whatever in general. Yeah. Right? So th that completely misses so the two point. different goals for which we, she doesn't know whether or not they do. She's saying it could be the case, which... Okay. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like saying it could, she's drunk just, drivers get in car accidents. That's true. But people who aren't drunk drive cars all the time. 
Yeah. Well, that's right. <laughs> of course we do. The point is not about the cars. The point is about what you're doing with the yeah. cars. No, this right? is actually worse than that because she's all she said is it could be the case that religious people use it as much. Mm. She's that's it could be. She may have given. I'm not going to pull up the article again, but she okay. may have given some kind of stats from okay, some but other article. Again, but the point is, even if you made your point, right. and I'm giving you more, let's say it happened more. It's still the baby count. Yeah. It, yeah. The, and the baby count is is what we know. All right. right. She also says, let's see, um, focuses on the rise in, not, this is me paraphrasing, focuses on the rise in numbers uh, who identifies atheists and agnostics. Now, this is the kind of thing that makes you wonder if she read the article, because this goes back to what we just said from the article and then from William Lane Craig. Yes, there is an increase in people who claim to be atheists and agnostics. Mm -hmm. What's happening is the mainline denominations are dying down, and the people who were nominal churchgoers or whatever, some of them are becoming atheists and agnostics. Now, we're not saying that there aren't some people who were truly practicing their faith and believed it who became atheists. That's not the point. The point is... By and large, we're seeing the denominations crumble mm. and moving to the poles of, no, I really am believing this stuff, and eh, I never really believed it. But when you're with. talking about on the rise, you're talking about going from maybe 3% to 5%. And that's a relevant thing to bring up, yes. Yeah, versus... I don't know those numbers, but yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, if you go to Pew, Pew has that. The, 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 the big Pew thing that had um, the, the big news about the nuns, right? The, atheism is still only you know, capping out at three to 5%. Hmm. Uh, atheism, put all that in the same bucket, atheism, agnostic, whatever. Now you can, now some of those nuns might be that, but they also believe in God yeah. and heaven. Right. And some of the atheists in that three to 5% believe in heaven. Or Oddly. Heaven, yes. Or, or even God. So it, who, who knows? I, what, what I, what I think that she probably, what I would agree with is, 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 is on the rise compared to where it was, you know, a generation or two ago. Mm -hmm. But in terms of overall population growth and, and, and proportion to the rest of the population, not really. Now, they're louder than they've ever been. Now, another thing she throws in is to say, well, this is all because atheists are persecuted uh, in the country. They're, they're not treated well. They don't get jobs as easily, this sort of thing. Oh, give me a break. Which, I mean, could... Did she cite information on maybe, that? Maybe, but it could, could somehow loop around to fertility or 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 atheists are like i can't i can't find work and i'm an atheist and i feel persecuted oh did you tell your um potential employer during the interview that you're an atheist no but i know it's because i'm an atheist right. i mean where do, how would you know right i have worked a ton of secular jobs before i got here mm -hmm. you know into this final career of my life i i, I was never asked are you a christian right when I went to go work at like Subway or the Country Sampler or LabCorp, I'm not sure I was or, asked if I was a Christian when I went to become a pastor. They just asked me. <laughs> they just asked me my doctrinal views. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can go to a Lord of Rings convention and give my doctrinal views on sure. Tolkien's world. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Where, where is this persecution <laughs> against atheists happening? I, I I remember there was a debate with William Lane Craig, um, where before the debate they kind of. Uh, they kind of usurped the forum to do this. Do you believe in atheists should be persecuted in America? And everyone in the church said, oh, you remember that? I think it was <laughs> at Willow Creek. Anyway, it was Shermer who did this. And he started, he like took advantage of the, of his introduction of the atheist debater to, to start giving a political spiel. Yeah. And I just kept thinking to myself, yeah, no one's for persecuting. Where is this happening? Right. Where is this happening? Yeah. I would like to know. Not in Evansville. No, and in fact, it seems like the opposite would be true, that if you are religious, well, you better not really believe your religion because we don't want you there. I'll tell you where it might be happening. When I was in the Bahamas, now this goes all the way back to 2006, they told me that, because they're very conservative politically and theologically, the people that live in the Bahamas, not yeah. the people, they call it, like in Nassau, they call it the hump. And yeah. by the way, I was there speaking, doing evangelistic work for a week. I wasn't there just vacationing. I've never been there vacationing. I have. But it's great. They have, as islands do, a hill in the middle of the island, right? Mm -hmm. And they call that the hump. And if you're on the touristy side of the hump, you know who knows what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of the hump where the Bahamians live, very conservative, very conservative. And I asked the guy, I said, what about atheism 
in the Bahamas. And he's like, atheism? Are you kidding me? I was like, you don't have atheists? He's like, look around you at God's beautiful creation. And I was like, well, I know, but surely there are atheists. He said, yeah, there are. But he said, if you're an atheist here, you want to keep that to yourself because people think that you're not as intelligent as the rest of the community. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there it has an impact. Yeah, but in the U.S. or in, or, or in, or in the U.K., are you telling me that if you're an atheist, well, you're not going to get a job, you're going to be persecuted? I can't see it. I can't, I'm not saying it never happens, but I've lived in the Bible Belt for most of my adult life, and I, n- no one ever asked me what my religious belief was, is can you do this job? Right. Anyway, but yeah, so if, if you're trying to get a job as a church secretary, and you're like, I'm an atheist, is that going to be a problem? Yep. Yeah. Then, well, don't try to get a job as a church secretary, but wherever this persecution is happening... I don't know. Yeah. All right, so now let's move on to the last thing. Uh, And it was an interesting piece that I'd noticed in the middle of this journal (laughs) article where where the person is summarizing, kind of doing a review of where the research has been. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about once it was realized that this, what do they call it, uh, contra-secularization thing is actually Mm -hmm. likely in the near future or is happening now. They, the researchers had to come up with other theories uh, for what is going on. And so this is, this is, I thought this was good. Quote, this is from the article. Quote, by the way, this is not from the atheist article. This is from the article, uh, The Future of Secularism, that I was citing throughout. Biological blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Quote, failures to find much, if any, diminution in religious belief, especially worldwide, has prompted some social scientists to propose modified versions of the secularization theory. Other social scientists have actually suggested that secularization will never occur because religiosity fulfills fundamental spiritual needs for most humans. Now, stop right there. They, what do they mean by spiritual? Well, hold on. What, the last sentence. One proponent of this latter view argued that human needs for a spiritual life are actually strong evidence for the reality of a supernatural realm. That's what C.S. Lewis argued. Exactly what right. C.S. I wonder if this person knew that. I bet right. not. Right, uh, but I just think that's interesting. Because remember, this is in evolutionary psychological right, science. Right, this is peer-reviewed science, yeah. blah, blah. Well, it's a, hard, it's a soft science, psychology, but still. Yeah. yeah, so I find that interesting that they just kind of capitulate to the idea of a spiritual life, and I'm always curious what secular... Well, they have to have categories for these things. Right. And they do see that there's benefits that come from whatever this is. Yeah. But this... There's, he's saying here, they're saying here, that one of these researchers is like, whatever this is, it's so powerful that maybe it's not there's a whatever anywhere. that place is and whatever is, and it's real. Well, yeah, but you know? even the sentence before that, though, that it's probably never going to go out of style. Right. You know, in human thinking, because there's always, so, yeah. And because as we've seen, and if you're a cumulative case apologist, that's a good thing for your bucket. Yeah. You yeah. know, what about this piece of data? So, yeah, just because it's there doesn't mean just because we have that longing doesn't mean it exists. Mm-hmm. But it or does it? Or does it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I I'm always curious what they mean by the terms like spirit because I'm convinced that that most people are not going to ever be agnostics or or atheists. But I can see kind of a chaotic paganism like Homer's reality, yeah, uh, coming back into fashion and Christianity having and even Islam. Islam, well, that's what Islam would have to contend with that just as much as Christianity would yeah, have to contend Yeah, but Islam is doing well contending. But here's the kind of pastoral thing that we need to remember about all this. We, we, we never know for sure what the future is going to hold. And it only ever takes one generation to utterly destroy something. If French-speaking people stopped speaking French for one generation, if there were no more French-speaking people after one generation we would lose the French language. We would still have it. We could still, kind of like Greek, you know, mm. you, you, the ancient Greek. You'd never be able to perfectly replicate it again what it was. Right. right. And so in the same way, we've got to remember that evangelism is still very important because even if it is the case, we don't know for sure what the future is going to hold. And we don't know, you know, we're promised that Christ church is never going to evaporate completely off the face of the earth. But... That promise it'll be a glow, you know. We're not promised it won't get Unless you're post-mill. Yeah. We're not taught thinking of eschatological things because people quite literally believe that it's going to evaporate off the earth. But I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah, well, uh, not the post-millennials. Uh, uh, no, the world will be Christianized. But, but I'm just saying. And then Jesus will come. Okay, but until then, it's it could get Yeah, I don't buy smaller. both post-millennialism. But it could get much smaller. Sorry, Thomas Linton. And I know so he's, he's still waving that banner, but. Evangelism is very important because there are still always going to be 
people that are unbelievers among us, whatever their religion or uh, non-religion. And so um, we want to see those numbers even better because we don't just want to birth our way to the majority. We want to see people that are not our children come to Christ. I'll tell this, and I've told this many times when I preach, that um, when I was pastoring, my wife taught a Sunday school class, and there were women in there ranging from 20 years old to 50 years old. And uh, she asked on one occasion the women to tell about the last time they had led someone to Christ. Mm -hmm. And she was just naive enough to think that if you're a Christian, you're leading people to Christ. I mean, that's what Christians do. And there was only one woman in that class who had ever led someone to Christ, and it was her kid. Well, thank God for her kid, but what about somebody else's kid? And so we need to be evangelistic and think of, in that sense, just like from our fundamentalist episode from a couple of weeks ago, in that sense, we do need to think about other people's kids as our kids. Not that they're our kids, but that we value them as persons that we love and that Jesus died for. And they're his kids, and they should be his kids. And so, um, so let's remember to be evangelistic, but let's remember what the real data is on all of this and not listen to rhetoric and scare tactics. Do you have anything else to say about this, Dr. Jonathan Pritchett? Yeah. Um, what we've learned is atheists don't read scholarly articles, just the abstracts, because it's easier. We've learned that uh, Christians have... Married Christians have better, happier, more fulfilling sex lives and more kids than, than atheists. Um, so we need to start... Uh, Baby making apologetics as a thing. Start like, it. Yeah, we need, we need a conference. Classical apologetics, sexual apologetics, all kinds of stuff. And, and a conference and yeah. a book. You can write that book on sexual apologetics. Yeah, that I'm not writing By that. Pritchett Prime. <laughs> well, Prime and Misty, maybe. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> that was you going through your filter. Yeah, I'm thinking. What can I say? What, what can, can I not I, say? Right. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I was thinking, uh, you know, my wife would be like, you're not qualified to write that book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Self-deprecating humor is always yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, I could just see my wife. No, I mean, when I use my, my wife and I, when we ever go to the gym together, she's she's like the demotivator because she thinks that that works. So she's like, come on, sissy, get the bar up, right? <laughs> Your wife talks to you that yeah. way? Yeah. I think my wife would too. I think that's an Arkansas like, come on, thing. Come on, sissy, get that up there. I mean, now I'm lifting tons of weight back in my prime and she plays with the bar. I think of you, know, you and her, but take your, take instead of modern day clothes, it's like uh, 18th century clothes yeah. and you're in, you're an, an agrarian people. And <laughs> and she's saying that same thing to you, like pulling the whatever on the farm. Right. You know, <laughs> it's just a generational, it's yeah. every Pritchett generation has had that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so we've learned that Christians have better sex, uh, more kids Atheism is a self-correcting problem with a self-defeating worldview. And um, what else? It's bad for economics. Yeah, atheism is bad for the economy. <laughs> Not bad for a day's work, I think. No. And so... Uh, See, that's, that's one of the things that we... And atheists don't understand this point. Is your worldview livable? Right. The livability test. Can you consist it? And I know they say... Get a good book like Douglas Grutthouse's yeah, Christian like, Apologetics. And they're like, no, those aren't real arguments. No, they really are real yeah. arguments. Is your world... Because if you can't rationally and consistency live within it, mm-hmm. it probably means there's something wrong with it. And yeah. they're like, well, that doesn't mean it's not true. It just may be... No. Relativism. Mm-hmm. Not livable. Determinism. Mm-hmm. Not livable. Yeah. These are examples of not... Moral relativism. Not livable. Hyper skepticism that livable. not livable at all. Yeah. So yeah, um, keep trying though, and 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 make more YouTube videos. There's not enough YouTube videos of atheists screaming in the camera, or or, or being trying to be commenting. Well, I mean, it's not really because of the evidence. So it's just going to be. We just need to talk about our feelings and, and why laugh, people. laughing yeah, at people, yeah. telling them they're just dumb sidekicks. It's just that's not, awesome just, though. <laughs> Absolutely. But, Give us a thumbs up if you liked the yeah. intro this week. <laughs> I don't... Oh, some atheist called me a dumb sidekick on the... Yeah, I am the dumb sidekick. It's fun. I get paid to do this. Hey, this one's great because if the atheist commenters give a thumbs down, yeah, then I'm just going to assume they don't like Jonathan Pritchett being made fun of. Right. So there you go. You might as well give a thumbs up. That's right. 
All right. Uh, if you'd like to be a student at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary, you can visit us at trinitysem.edu. Best seminary on the planet. And you can study and get the access to those journal articles. Yes. If that motivates you to come, then come on. And uh, Yes, atheists can become students here. Sure. And we'll witness to them, yeah. and you can get you can actually instead of just reading abstracts, you can read the articles. That's right. And in fact, you'll have to. Yes. Um, and uh, check out our sister podcast, Steve Gregg's Narrow Path, Leighton Flowers, Soteriology One Hundred and One, and Billy Wendelin and Matt Chisholm's The Bible Bro Down. Oh, they're more. having a good episode coming up with Heiser. Uh, Michael Heiser. Yeah, that's going to be good. So check that. You know, out I told week. him to ask. What. He asked, what, what do you think we should ask? And there's a lot of stuff, because I've read his book, The Unseen Realm. But I told him, I said, ask him this. There's a lot of people that think you've got really weird views, and they're not as weird as people act like they are. But what is the actually weirdest view you have, whether you've ever said it before or not? That's what I told him to ask him. Yeah. They said they might ask for the mini episodes. What so is we'll his, see. yeah, what is his What weirdest? is the actual weirdest view you hold? I think that'd be good. The, All right. the, 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 the Ezekiel saw the will, and that will really is alien. Because if that dude says flat earth, he Billy hates, and Matt's Bible bro down is going to go through Heiser the hates, roof. Heiser hates If that flat dude earth. says ancient aliens that are, might, the, that are the Elohim. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, more, that's, yeah, that's more possible than, than the flat earth. Oh, Heiser, I hope so. Heiser hates the flat earthers because they use his stuff yeah, they're like, to see, prove the Bible flat, says yeah. flat earth. And, and he's like, I don't believe that. Come on, leave, quit yeah. using me to push your thing. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, uh, well. Thank you for watching us this week, and we hope to see you next time on Trinity Radio. This is the last word. Memeing Osteen. It never fails that some pastor of a local church on social media will post a meme about Joel Osteen or Creflo Dollar and decry about the, the state of abysmal preaching and tickling the ears. But what I find interesting is that this is kind of lazy. Because if you look up the pastor's hometown or city, you'll find that there's probably four or five other local churches where they preach more heretical stuff than even Joel Osteen does. But yet they're not memeing and blogging these local pastors who are down the road spewing heresy in their own backyard. So try something new, pastors. Instead of warning people about Joe Olstein, who's a thousand miles away from you in Houston, Texas, where anyone in your town would have to stay up till 10 o'clock on a Tuesday to watch him on Daystar, which almost no one probably does. Uh, why don't you warn people about the pastors and the churches spewing heresy in your own town? At least then you would be making a difference because the people that you're Facebook friends with probably live close to you and may even be attending those churches where the heretical pastors are spewing their heresy. So try that for a change. And then, after you've done that and fixed that, then worry about Joel Osteen.